Good morning. You may be seated. You know, I always sense a little bit of pressure whenever, when someone invites me to speak and they're like, you're about to hear from heaven. I always say a little prayer to God thinking, oh, geez, I hope I got this right. I hope I got the right message for today. I hope I haven't missed the bus. Happy New Year, church. Happy New Year. 2023, can you believe it? I don't know about you, but I'm still trying to figure out what happened in 2020, but we are three years beyond that. We're into a new year. There is, there is something spectacular about a new year, a fresh canvas, a blank canvas, and all the possibilities, all the potential that a brand new year holds, not only for you as an individual or your family, but for us as a church. I think there's, a, there's an anticipation, there's an excitement, there's an eagerness to see what God has for us this year. Would you agree with that? And uh, I'm excited, I'm privileged to be able to share the very first message, sermon, talk, whatever you want a title you want to give it, for the year. And if you do have your Bibles, I'd love it if you could turn to 2 Timothy. Pastor Adam spilt three litres of water on the pulpit this morning, so it's double anointed. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. And the context of, of what we're about to read is uh, we're at the end of Paul's life. Paul was a, was a man who wrote uh, two-thirds of the New Testament, was uh, authorizing uh, Christians to be killed, gets radically transformed and saved by Jesus, and then begins an incredible, uh, the remainder of his life, uh, a, a dramatic turnaround and 2 Timothy chapter 4 is basically, Paul's at the end of his life. And I think whenever you get to the end of your life, or, or the end of a season perhaps, you become quite reflective. And, and all that Paul has done, all that Paul has accomplished, all that Paul has become from being Saul to now Paul, he starts to reflect back. And in this one verse, he summarizes his life. And, and we ought to view uh, what he's saying here in the context of he's basically on his deathbed, writing to a younger pastor by the name of Timothy. And he says these words, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. All in past tense as he looks back over his life. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race and I have kept the faith. I wonder if we can pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the potential and the possibility of all that this year holds. And God, this morning we've gathered intentionally and deliberately as a community of believers to hear from you, to be changed from the inside out, to influence our world for good and for God in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you may be shocked by this, but in 1997, I was in a boy band. The laughing indicates the shock. <laughs> the band consisted of three members, myself, age 12, and my two other brothers, aged 14 and 16. And we were inspired by another boy band at the time, also consisting of three brothers. The band was named Hanson. Some of you remember their hit song, Mbop, which we won't be singing this morning. We looked at the fame and the fortune and the accolades that this band Hanson were receiving simply by releasing a song with two words, mbop. 
And we thought, how hard could it be to start a boy band? And so we got together, the three brothers, the three boys, and we started dreaming about what could be. We came up with the original name of our band, Alchin. And my eldest brother used paint on Windows 95 to design some cool designs, some band posters, if you will. Sadly, we never released any songs because we couldn't agree who would be the lead singer. We'd established that Brad, being the drummer who often drums on Sundays, we established, yes, that will be your role, but between my other brother, Mark, and myself, we couldn't determine who who should be the lead. Apparently, you need music ability to be a lead singer. That's what they say. This was before auto-tune, people. If only we could have resolved our differences. What could have been for the band name Alchin? We were almost famous. I'm not sure what it's like for you, but I have a garage full of unfinished business. A garage full of stuff where I had a great idea that I thought, you know what, this is one. I've got, I've got goggles and flippers when I wanted to be an Olympic swimmer. I've got boxing mitts and boxing gloves when I wanted to be the heavyweight champion of the world. I've got cricket gear when I wanted to be the next Steve Smith. I've got golf clubs when I wanted to be the next Cam Smith. In fact, I played golf over the holiday break with Jim Lane. Many of you know Jim. And you know what Jim said to me at about halfway through? He said, it's a good thing that you're a good pastor because you cannot play golf. (laughs) I didn't know whether to take that as a compliment or as an insult, Jim. I was mildly offended, but you know what? I have a garage full of unfinished business where I almost made it. You know, the last words of Paul give us every indication that it was the exact opposite of what could have been. There was a completeness. There was finished business. There was nothing left for him to give. Hear it? I have fought the good fight. He had emptied himself out for the cause of Jesus. He had finished the race and he had kept the faith. First service of 2023 here at Civic, and we're reading some of Paul's last words. First service of 2023, but Paul's last words. I wonder if we were to fast forward to the 31st of December, 2023, some 12 months from now. And usually when we come to the end of the year, I'm not sure what it's like for you, we we look back, don't we? We reflect on what the last 12 months possessed. And maybe some of the triumphs, maybe some of the tragedies, some of the things that you wanted to accomplish, we become reflective. Maybe we ask ourselves at the end of this year, what could have been? If only, I almost, today is not about making a New Year's resolution, but rather it's unlocking a new rhythm to your mindset in Jesus. I think one of the most heartbreaking words in our vocabulary is the word almost. Almost. Definition of almost according to the Oxford Dictionary is not quite, very nearly. And it's funny how we use that word to almost justify our lives. I almost ran a marathon. It's the same as saying I didn't run a marathon. 
I almost cleaned my room. Yeah, but you didn't. Any parents in the room? I almost filled the car up. No, it's still flashing E, Angela. I almost volunteered. I almost joined a one-hour connect. It's the exact same as saying I didn't volunteer. I didn't join a one-hour connect in season one. If we translate Paul's words with the almost approach, this is what it sounds like. I pretty much fought the good fight. I was near enough to finishing the race. And I just about kept the faith. Doesn't sound as inspiring or as complete or as resolved or as absolute. I want to share around two words this morning for our very first service. Almost and yet. Turn to your neighbour and say, almost and yet. Almost and yet. What will cause 2023 to be an almost year? What will cause 2023 to be an almost year? When you look back on 31st of December, 2020, I almost did it. I almost made it. But we give up. We quit. And we've got unfinished business. I don't think we just have unfinished business in our garage. I think there's some unfinished business perhaps in our hearts here today. Here's the first thing. We stop short when our perspective sees sees problems, not potential. What would your life, what would my life look like if our lens saw more potential in things in life than problems? If we saw more opportunities rather than obstacles? I wonder what our year, I wonder what our lives would look like if we spent less time complaining about problems and more time dreaming about the potential. Our senior pastor will often say, every opportunity is camouflaged in obstacles. You've just got to make sure that you switch the lens to understand what you're seeing in God. See, when our perspective is always problem-focused, we say yes less. We say yes to the things of God. We say yes in obedience when we always see problems or obstacles. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable about a master who entrusts three servants with the talents as he goes away. He gives one five, another two, and the other one. The one with five doubles it. The one with two doubles it. But the one with one says yes less. And he comes back to the master as he returns and says, I did nothing with it. Now I've heard preachers talk about how that servant was lazy. But if you listen to the words of this servant, he says, I did nothing with it because I was afraid. When we say yes less, it indicates fear has gripped our hearts. And we say no to God and we say no to life for three reasons. Fear of disappointment. The last time I did that, Jared, I got hurt. I've tried that before and I was betrayed. And so I don't want to be disappointed again. We say no for three reasons, fear of disappointment and fear of failure. 
We become so afraid that we're never prepared to risk. We're never prepared to step out in faith. And so there might be a potential, there might be a possibility, there might be an opportunity, but all we see is obstacles, problems, issues. And God says, no, 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 you need to switch the lens so that you can see what I see through the lens of faith. We say no for three reasons, fear of disappointment, fear of failure, and fear of what others will say. Crippling insecurities. We're so caught up and concerned with what others will think about my actions, about my response, about my obedience. Maybe I might have to make some sacrifices or be inconvenienced. What will my family say? What will my friends say when they see me step out? Make a step of faith. Maybe you don't see problems. Maybe that's not your issue today. But maybe you have a PhD in procrastination. You put things off. You say things like, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. Next month, I'm going to do that. You know, the reality is nine times out of ten, you won't. We just keep putting it off. I'll get to that. You know what? It's January. I've got till June to figure this out. We put it off. We say things I'll do it tomorrow. It'll, it'll happen next week. What's worse as Christians, we can so easily cloak our procrastination in prayer. Ever heard this line? Let me pray about that. That's a, that's a, that's a classic Christian line that we love to use when we're like, I just want to sit on that and use God as my excuse. Listen, if God has already spoken, you don't need to pray about it. If God has already said go, you don't need to pray about it. If God has given you a green light, you don't need to pray one iota. The time is now. Problems, procrastination. Two reasons why we might stop short of all that God has for us in 2023. Here's the second thing. We stop short when we fail to see the progress in the process. Did you know that most gym memberships are cancelled on the 31st of January? What does that say about the human race? What does that say about us? It says we don't like the process. We don't like commitment. We don't like perseverance. We want instant results and we want instant gratification. And so we have a whole bunch of people, New Year's resolutions, which is a good thing. I'm going to sign up to the gym, going to eat better, going to get fit, going to do my thing. And then after 30 days, we quit. We give up. We stop short. And then we look back in December like, I almost, 2023 was almost the year that I got fit. Here is what I've discovered when it comes to the process and the progress in the things of God. Between every promise of God and every payoff in God, there is a process. Jesus says, thy kingdom come, not thy kingdom now. Here's the second thing that I've discovered. God works in seasons, not seconds. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, to everything there is a season. And I'm here to remind someone today that God is not on your calendar. You need to get on His. And just because it didn't happen today, don't 
quit. In our modern world, particularly millennials and Gen Z, we are so quick to change our view. If we haven't grasped the instant success or the instant gratification, hard work, what's that? Here's some words that maybe we could reintroduce to the English language. Persevere and commit. They almost sound like swear words today. Some of you are like, oh, can he say that? Persevere. That made me feel a little uncomfortable. It's because we're just looking for the next thing, the next convenient thing, the next instant results. Persevere, commit, don't finish, don't stop short of what God has for you. You know, over the years, what has impressed me has changed. Particularly in, 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 in church life and in ministry, when I first started, I used to get so impressed by the big name speakers and how amazing and how articulate they were and how they could whip a crowd into a faith-filled frenzy. Now what impresses me is the pastors and the leaders, maybe not the best speakers, maybe don't have the biggest churches, but you know what? They're still standing. They've still got the faithfulness to turn up every single day. And they may not be the, the, the biggest, the brightest, but every single day they get up and they're consistent. And they're faithful. That's what impresses me. Longevity is what impresses me today, friend. That they refuse to give in, that they refuse to quit. We need to champion consistency over occasionally in church world. I wonder how many times in my life that I had thought I had failed and I looked at an event or a, a sequence of events and I thought, That's, I've failed. But really, I hadn't failed. I'd just given up. And God said, if you just had to stay there just a little bit longer, I could have done something with that. But we walk away. It's unfinished business. I almost did that. I almost made it. Remember Paul's words. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. I wonder what are some things that we do in our routine, daily, without noticing the immediate progress. To live a fulfilled life in Jesus, it's built on the daily mundane decisions. I wish there was another way. I wish we could, we could take some pill or drink some drink that would make everything better instantly. But what I've discovered is that usually life is built on daily, mundane, obedient choices to God. And that's how you build a fulfilled, significant life for Jesus. To avoid the almost, we have to recognize and embrace the process. Here's the third thing. We stop short when we stop making decisions. In 2 Kings chapter 13, there's this obscure story that we read about in the life of Elisha, who was a prophet. In the story, we have the, the, the king of Israel, Jehosh, and he is the king of a divided nation. We have Israel and Judah, and both are divided. And Judah, the army of Judah, is threatening the king. He has an advantage because he has Elisha, the prophet, in his corner, who is a symbol and a source of God's strength and power. Elisha is suffering from an illness, which is basically about to bring him to death. And so the king calls for him. 
knowing that his kingdom is under threat, his lands are under threat, and he calls to Elisha. And Elisha comes and he gives these instructions to the king. He says, get a bow and arrow and open the window to the east and fire an arrow. He fires an arrow and it goes out the window and he says, to your east, you will have victory. And then he gives the king some bizarre and weird instructions. Instructions that when we read it in the modern day context, we look at it and think, what is going on? The prophet Elisha says to the king, take your arrows and strike them on the ground. And so the king begins to tap the arrows on the ground and he stops after three. Then something really bizarre happens. The man of God, Elisha, he gets angry. And he says, only if you had tapped maybe five or six times more, the victory would have been handed to you. I don't know what you think when you read like that, but I'm like, that's a little unfair to the king. How was the king to know that if he didn't stop, that the victory wouldn't be handed to him? He stopped on three. He stopped making decisions. Clearly there was more to what meets the eye in this passage of scripture. It all centers on the king stopping short. It all centers on the king stopping decisions. He stopped when God didn't tell him to stop. He stopped making decisions. Maybe he did it because he was tired. Maybe he did it because he thought it it was futile. Maybe he did it because he was worried about maybe what his servants would think. The byproduct of indecision is incomplete. Being unresolved leads to being unfinished. I wonder how many victories in your life and my life are lost because we become indecisive and we failed to stop making decisions and we hesitate rather than anticipate. Indeed, 2 Kings chapter 13 is a paradox of how God works. We're simply to do what God asks. And if God hasn't told you to stop tapping the arrows, then don't stop, friend. The victory belongs to God and God alone. But if God hasn't told you to stop, don't be like the king of Israel. I almost had the victory. Just keep tapping. Finish with this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Still Paul writing in a letter to the church in Philippi and he says this, and I am certain, there it is, another resolved, absolute, convinced, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Hear me really clearly, church. God is not under any obligation to complete what you started. Often we can start little ventures, little detours, projects in our life that we think is from God, but we really, we've just convinced ourselves that it, it's just us. And then when it doesn't turn out, doesn't meet our expectations, we get angry and we get disappointed, we get disillusioned with God. God, your word says that you'd finish. And, and God's reply to us is, I am not under any obligation to finish what you started. 
But what I started in your life, for some of us that was decades ago, for some of us that was a month ago, but what I started in your life, I will finish. God will always finish what He started in you, friend. If almost is one of the most heartbreaking words, then the word yet, surely, would be the most fulfilling and hope-filled. God, I know I'm on a journey. And I know I've got a lot of stuff to figure out, but I'm not there yet. God, I'm working through these problems. I'm working through these issues. And I haven't arrived yet. There's hope in the word yet. Because God's still working from the inside out. Do you believe that? Here's what I'm not saying this morning. I'm not saying try harder, be better, nor am I offering a formula to avoid failure. But what I am proposing is getting us all to a place where we never quit in 2023. There's no shame in falling short. But when we stop short, we miss out on all that God has for us. Falling short and stopping short are two very different things. You and I, we're flawed beings. And so in 2023, there's going to be countless times where we fall short. But let's not be the church. Let's not be people. Let's not be men and women where we stop short, where we just keep tapping until God says, stop, finish, you're done. I wonder if you could stand with me, church. Paul lying on his bed. Final words to a younger man, passing on wisdom and advice. And you can hear no regret in what he says. And I wonder, as we get to the end of our seasons, whatever it may be, this year, this decade, our lives, as we reflect back, what will be in our vocab? What perhaps maybe are the things that will haunt you until your final breath? What could have been, but never did, because I stopped short. I almost, but I didn't, because I stopped short. Maybe all God is looking for in 2023 Maybe all God is looking for in a church in 2023 is people who won't quit, who refuse to give up, no matter how hard it is. And yes, we will fall short, but we get to a place where we refuse to walk away because He that began a good work in you will finish what He started. Heavenly Father, at the outset of this year, with hearts resolved. God, we want to be people that refuse to have the approach of almost, 
that refuse to ask the questions at the end of this year. What if, if only? God, for some of us, it means we have to make some decisions, some sacrifices, some tough choices. For some of us, we need a mindset shift. And God, I pray for families, marriages, businesses, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will renew our minds, that there'll be a steel of fortitude in our spines, God, that we can walk through all the mountains and all the valleys and all the triumphs and tragedies that this next 12 months will hold. But God, we refuse to go anywhere. We refuse to change the view. Our eyes are fixed on our Saviour, the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus. God, we declare that You have began a good work in each and every one of us and You will see it to completion. We ask all this in Your Name. God, we declare that 2023, that the best is before us, not only for us as individuals and our families, but for this church. God, we pray for the hearts and the lives of people yet to come to faith, yet to walk through these doors, yet to experience the unconditional love and the amazing grace that we sing about. God, we pray for them right now, wherever they are, all over this city, all over this state and this nation. God, we pray for miracles this year, hearts rescued, all to Your glory. We lift You up, God, in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Pray you have an amazing week. Team's going to finish up with one last song and we'll see you next week in church.